welcome to the Mindful Living Podcast. I'm your host, Athea Davis. Are you ready to become the person everyone loves, including yourself? Imagine being filled with purpose, joy, and focused energy every single day. I guide kids to gain their inner calm and adults to spark their inner child. Each week, I will give you fun, practical, and relatable, mindfully infused inspiration, insights, and information that you can directly apply in your life, family, and school or business. So let's get started. Hey there, and welcome to Mindful Living with me, your host, Athea Davis. You are listening to episode 120, Connecting to Our Inner Wisdom, with my special guest today, Sophie McLean. Sophie is an internationally renowned wisdom teacher, author, and speaker. And wow, is this just a perfect conversation to end the year and begin anew. If you are asking some big life questions about who you are and what life is all about and where you'd like to go in the new year, this episode is for you. Now, I have a lot to say about Sophie, but let me give you a little thumbnail sketch about our conversation. Now, if you've been listening for a while, I, and if you know me well, I love a good cup of tea, and I just love to talk about life, uh, wisdom, healing, spirituality. Uh, This is definitely grab your cup of tea, take your walk, uh, move to your own groove uh, kind of episode. You want to curl up and just really soak in all the wisdom that Sophie shares and how to tap into our own wisdom. So she and I talk about her eclectic background and events that sparked her own spiritual journey. We dive into the existential questions, who we are and what is life all about. We talk about transforming our suffering and how to take a personal review of your life right now and what she does to keep her spirit vibrant and full of life, and so much more. Let me give you a little bit of information about Sophie. She was born in Algeria, educated in Morocco and France, and with a professional career in the USA and UK, Sophie McLean has had an eventful life. Get this, you guys, so interesting. She's been a helicopter pilot, a teacher, a designer, a relief worker, a war refugee, and a CEO. She's been shot at, shipwrecked, and widowed. She's lived on a farm, a boat, penthouse, and an ashram. Quite eclectic, right? As a wisdom teacher, Sophie has spent decades leading transformational seminars to over 80,000 people around the world of all ethnicities, ages, religions, and social backgrounds, all engaged with the universal existential questions of who am I and what is life all about? Now, after seven years in France, Sophie McLean is in New York to begin act three, as she says, of her life speaking, consulting, writing, and teaching courses and online seminars within the framework of access to awareness. Her seminar topics span both human and metaphysical dimensions, deconstructing the automatic ego, consciousness, freedom, love, stress, anxiety, fear, 
relationships, health, sex, money, ownership, spirituality, creation and evolution, the feminine and the masculine, being responsible and making a difference in the world and being effective at it. Of her transformational teaching style, Sophie says, I engage people in a rigorous review of their life and a systematic questioning of their conclusions on the basis that without examining our network of ideas, beliefs, social and cultural judgments, and our assumptions about the world, those are transformed in constraints. My interest is in the nature of what it means to be human. Sophie's new book, The Elegance of Simplicity, is a compelling, thought-provoking work of autobiographical fiction, one that communicates life-altering concepts proposing an effortless pathway to awareness. It's a deeply honest and dramatic story of self-discovery about what is possible when you take responsibility, own your power, and become one with life. Wow, I am so excited for you to learn about Sophie, her incredible work, and to learn how to connect to your own inner wisdom. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Sophie McLean here on episode 120, Connecting to Our Inner Wisdom. I will see you on the flip side. Enjoy. Well, I want to welcome you, Sophie, to Mindful Living with Athea Davis. Happy to have you on the show today. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So I would love to, or for you to start with your eclectic background. You've done a lot of different things, which I find very intriguing, very interesting. So I would love to start there and then kind of go into the, uh, the events that sparked your spiritual journey. And so maybe there's some connection in some way between all the things that you've done and the event or events um, or the circumstance that, that led you on your spiritual path. So let's mm-hmm. start with your eclectic background. You've done a lot of different things. How, tell us about that. I have. So um, I have studied medicine, worked as an interior designer, became a helicopter pilot, a horse rider. Um, Then I studied philosophy and I started leading uh, all over the world for about 80,000 people. And that I never looked back from that path. For the last 30 years, I have been teaching awareness and elevation of consciousness. And how it all started was when I was 12 years old. Mm. Um, So it seems eclectic like that, but you will understand when I share about what happened to me when I was 12. I was brought up in Casablanca, Morocco. I'm French, but my father uh, had uh, land in Morocco, so I was brought up there. And one day I was in the garden watching my family get ready to go to dinner. I was alone in a moment of stillness, not um, doing anything other than waiting for the food. And and I had an epiphany. I had a gift and I had um, a a kind of download. I had three insights. The first insight was that I was being brought up in a cocoon, that I had not much to do with the real world. Mm -hmm. I was very protected, filled with beauty, love, wealth, and the whole thing, and that I needed to go and find out the whole of life. Mm -hmm. The second insight was that everything I was going to find out was an illusion. Mm -hmm. And I had to get that for myself, that 
whatever I found was not what we call reality. And the third insight, which was much more a command than an insight, was your mission is to tell people about it. Mm. So I was 12. So I ran to my parents, uh, really excited, saying, well, I understand it all. Let me tell you about the secret of life. And uh, <laughs> they gave me my nickname, which is the crazy one. Uh, with much love, right? But I, I do understand if you have your 12 years old coming to give you this kind of truth. It's a little bit um, surprising. But um, I have been seeking ever since. So all those experiences that I had, and I had many, many more than that. I, um, you know, crossed the South Pacific on a sailboat. I became a horse rider champion, a water skier champion. I went to shaman in the Amazon forest. I went to the Dalai Lama in Ladakh. I, I mean, I did so much. It's all inside of that insight to get present to the illusion of it all so that people can experience liberation and remember who they really are. Mm. So at such a young age, very spiritually precocious, I'm so curious in all these different experiences. And when you talk about this illusion, can you describe what you mean by that for those that are listening when they think, well, wait a minute, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm listening to this show. That's real. That's not an illusion. Or I just had dinner and a coffee with my friend. That's real. What What do you mean by illusion? Well, the, the, by the way, it is a shift we're all undergoing now, right? We are getting a new relationship to reality, really transforming our relationship to reality. What people think is real, who you identify yourself with, is mostly external to you. So people identify with their looks, the color of their skin, their gender, their job title, the amount of money they have, their houses, being married, being single. I mean, you name it, we identify with anything we can, which is external to us. <laughs> or, sorry, I have my dogs. That's okay. And they are, yeah. The, the dogs um, just bring in a little, a little flair. <laughs> yeah. So um, obviously, who you really are has nothing to do with the external world. The external world is a consequence of what you are creating. So who you really are is your soul, your soul essence. Uh, most people, sorry, most people uh, think, you know, that we have a soul. About 70% of the world population believe we have a soul and nobody speaks about it. And the soul is not located on the material plane. The soul is located in the spiritual. So who you really are is not on the material plane. It is in the spiritual plane and it's incarnated in the material plane. And there is the most important law, universal law, which is you always reap what you sow. And we have this extraordinary power to create our reality. So whatever you call your reality is what you have created. You always reap what you sow. So it's totally malleable, and most people don't know that. that you know, that, like you say, they think, no, what is real is the material. It's not. When you were 12 and you had these spiritual insights, and then you went on all these different journeys and had all these different experiences, what did each of these experiences, or how did they help inform what you just shared about this illusion of 
who we are, meaning what you were saying is that typically we think uh, we identify with external things or these identities. I'm a mom or I, I do this for my work or, you know, I have these possessions and that's who I am instead of who we are in, in our spiritual essence. What did all these experiences that you had, I guess, beginning from when you were 12 throughout your journey, how did that help you inform this understanding that, that we are more than what we see through these um, material items? Well, I um, was informed by this uh, epiphany I had when I was 12, right? So I was looking for what does it mean that it's all an illusion? Because as you exactly say it so correctly, it doesn't feel that way when you're incarnated in your body, <laughs> that it is an illusion. It feels very real. But I had this roadmap looking for that illusion, right? And the the all those experiences I had, and I had, um, I went from, total joy to despair and back again, right? I uh, was raped when I was a teenager. I lost a child when I was in my 20s and I couldn't have children anymore. Then I lost my husband, right? So on top of um, all the joy, I have known much despair. And every single time I could eventually um, get to the place where I got that it didn't mean anything. Mm. Now, it's very um, harsh. It can uh, sound very harsh to people, but let me explain. So I got married when I was 28, and five days after I got married, on honeymoon, my husband died. One moment he said, I'm very happy. The next moment, he was dead. He had a clot to the brain. He was gone. So you can imagine. Yeah, you can imagine. I mean, I know it sounds like a bad Hollywood movie or something. Mm. So um, obviously I dived in and uh, dealt with the grief and the horror of it and so forth. And I I kept suffering and suffering and suffering. And um, I uh, way beyond the grief for five years. Uh, uh, total suffering, uh, all out suffering. I'm quite um, uh, dramatic as a person, so I suffer. So uh, I met someone that told me, but what is the meaning you give to the fact that your husband is dead? And I said to him, I said, well, obviously I'm doomed. Look at everything that happened to me. I'm 28 and I had all those tragedy. I must be doomed. Mm. I mean, what other explanation can you come up? I wasn't brought up to have those kind of tragedies. I didn't expect it. And I find myself in this despair. I'm doomed. That's what I make it mean. And he said, no, it doesn't mean that. I said, well, it does. And he kept talking to me until I could get the, my husband died is the fact of life. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. And I'm doomed is the meaning I believe and I attach to what happened. And I have a say in the meaning. Yeah. And if I say I'm doomed, I will get the reality for my life of being a doomed person. But if I say something else, I will get something else. And that's when I got, oh, I'm the source of the experience of my life. Whatever I believe be it a thought or a story I make up, an interpretation I make up, a narrative, whatever I believe, I will get. 
And that altered my life forever. I was 33 and I never stopped teaching people that they are the source of their life ever since. My yeah, husband died, just mean he died. It doesn't mean he didn't love me. God doesn't love me. I did something bad in a previous life. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means he died. That's an incredible insight. Often I've talked about on the podcast and as a mindfulness educator, teach my students the power of our thoughts, that our thoughts when, um, especially, you know, whether they're, you know, whether you would classify them as positive or negative, uh, you know, as we ruminate on them, as we have these constant thoughts that they become our beliefs and our beliefs become the base in which we take action. And mm-hmm. when we take those actions, then we create that reality that you're talking about. And so in each situation, we can look like you were just saying with your husband, it's tragic. You're going to go through the grieving process, but the meaning you were attaching to it was I am doomed. And mm-hmm. if you kept repeating that, you were going to create a very sad, depressed, doomed mm-hmm state of mind Mm -hmm. and your actions would stem from those beliefs, creating a very sad, depressed state of life. And it sounds like you realize, wow, I can acknowledge that this was a tragedy, that I have a lot of pain and suffering and grief from this, and that I don't have to see this as I'm doomed. What can I take? Okay. Yeah. I I have a lot of pain Mm -hmm. and I had a lot of grief, but the suffering disappeared. You see, suffering is totally optional. If you notice, the earth doesn't suffer from the earthquake. A dog with three legs doesn't say, oh, get me a therapist. My life is ruined. Mm -hmm. No, he he runs as fast as he can to catch up with the other dog. He doesn't suffer. He might have pain, but he doesn't suffer. Only human beings suffer. Mm. And the source of all suffering is to believe our thoughts, some of the thoughts, to believe the story we make up, to believe the narrative we make up. So suffering is totally optional. Yeah, that's an important, um, uh, you know, no, uh, thank you for noting that to distinguish the difference between pain and suffering. Suffering mm-hmm. um, really comes from the story that we that's tell true. about the situation. Yeah. And, and pain is, you know, somatic. We can feel that in yeah. our body, you know, through yeah. our senses, we can we can feel that. So, Sophie, uh, through all these insights, what did you learn about, and you already alluded to this earlier, about who you are and what life is all about. If it's not, hey, you know, I'm not doomed. I don't have to suffer anymore. I can view very tragic situations. And the fact is we're humans on this planet. We all have experienced tragedy in our own right and trauma in our own right, big trauma, little trauma. How can we take these very difficult experiences and say, okay, when we ask these existential questions, who who am I and what is life all about? What did you discover in your own process about who you are and what life is about? What are we here for? Yeah, well, to simplify, this is my experience, right? I don't uh, say that I have the truth. I... Uh, do not even look for the truth. I'm a teacher, so a teacher is somebody that gives their experience away, right? So this is my personal experience. The, we operate in three different dimensions. So the first dimension is what I call the divine. 
mm-hmm. people call it God, people call it, you know, light, you can call it whatever you want. I call it the divine so that it covers everything. And that dimension, which is the source of it all, is a total mystery, frankly. I mean, I've had some out-of-body experience, mystical experience, but it was just only experiences I would not be able to put in language the mystery of the divine. And I'm very happy to leave it as a mystery. I am grateful for it. And I don't think it's necessary to understand it while we are here. So that's a divine. Then there is what I call the quantum field, which is the field of the soul, the angelic being, the, the, the uh, you know, uh, I mean, whatever is ethereal and uh, is outside of time and space. It's outside of language as, as well. And, and that is where we reside as a soul. And then there is a material life. And I don't know why we got created or the soul got created. Again, that's the mystery of the divine. I have no clue, right? But, and in my experience, the souls need to go back to the divine. So there is a sort of elevation back to merge into the divine. And one of the best, best schools to elevate yourself as a soul, to complete your karma, to heal, to uh, elevate, is earth. Mm. And earth is a really bloody difficult school. I mean, it is not a walk in the park, right? I think it's one of the most high level school a soul can go to and so you incarnate very soon after your incarnation you forget that you divine you just forget very soon like before the age of two mm-hmm. you forget who you really are you start creating your ego you build this persona this character this personality which is all designed to survive And as you go through your life, you grow older and older and older. You shed little by little some of your protection, some of your meaning, some of your decisions, and you get what we call wiser. And then a few very soon before you die, you realize, oh, it was all an illusion, but it's just a few hours before you die and then you die. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that is, I mean, you know, you awaken the source, the point of being incarnated is to remember who you really are. And to, that is called awakening. So if you can do it sooner than later, which I am fortunate to, I mean, not fortunate because I did the work I needed to do, but you know, that my life gave me the opportunity to awaken early then you can create the life you dream of, the, the, the life of bliss, of love, of generosity, altruism, where you don't survive, you are alive. And then you wake up to the wonder of this world, the gift that it is to be here, the experience of being alive. And you understand that the journey of being incarnated on earth is all about experiences. So you're not going to refuse any experiences, even if they are unpleasant. It is all and only an experience. I just want to repeat the three levels, just for anybody that is taking notes, uh, the earth life, I think, or human experience, or did you call it? Material. 
material, the material life dimension, the quantum dimension of the soul, Mm -hmm. and then the Mm -hmm. divine or, Mm -hmm. uh, or God or higher power, whatever word you would like to use. You know, you had mentioned automatic ego. So I want to dive into that a little bit more. What, um, what is it? And how does it create the havoc in our lives? The right. So when, when, when you go through the moment very early on, when you forget your divinity, you, you need then to survive. And it's a very profound existential suffering, this disconnection, this uh, forgetfulness, because you, human beings are lost. Right? So they look to the external world to get grounded, to have this experience of reality. Mm-hmm. Right? So you look at the ex- to the external world. Now, you know, at the beginning, the ego, I think, was very necessary because at the beginning of time, men needed to survive the weather, the animals. I mean, the, the, it was physical survival, right? So you needed to know how to survive physically in a world that was tough. And, and we did well. How I know that is that we're still around, right, as a species. And then somewhere around the way, and I would be absolutely incapable to tell you when, the ego that was used to survive physically became a survival ontologically. Ontologically mean you survived as a being. Mm-hmm. So we started surviving each other, dominating each other, trying to be right and making other wrong and and hiding and 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 the ego that automatic ego is not bad because it got us all the progress we have right medicine science technology we send a man to the moon einstein discovered e equal mc squares so the ego is not bad but the homo sapiens have come to the point where we now have a violent cruel culture of domination, separatedness, inequality, and an absence of love. And um, there is a shift happening from homo sapiens to homo spiritus. Mm. If you listen to what is happening in the world, people are starting to speak about their souls. I mean, when I was at school, not one teacher ever talked to me about my soul. Now, you hear it, you hear the word spiritual, you hear, oh, you're not your body, you're not what you think you are. It's starting to happen and there is a shift. Now, there is no resisting evolution. It, forget it, right? It's going that way and this is where we're going. Now, if you try to resist it, you will suffer. If you try to hold on to the homo sapiens, you will suffer. You, we are shifting to a world where we will have an ego, but it's a conscious ego, meaning five senses operating in the material world connected to the soul, having an experience of the quantum where you can access authentic power, intuition, guidance, and be in the space of love. Mm. You know, I as a mindfulness educator, definitely see the shift you're talking about from homo sapiens to homo spiritus, because in a 
school context, you know, even, and I've been doing the work in schools eight plus years, going even eight, nine, let's say a decade back, you weren't really, people weren't even saying mindfulness. You would have to say health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And now we are talking about it, or we have a class named that, or we're talking about the inner world of the teacher and how the inner world of the educator showing up impacts everyone in the school environment or in the classroom. So I, I see this, I've seen the shift. So many teachers that may be listening to this podcast, uh, you might see that shift as well. You might see that shift definitely even, you know, just in, in the cultural context on social media, you hear more people talking about spiritual development, spirituality, um, and actually saying that word versus, you know, personal growth, even though you still mm-hmm. hear that, that you hear that spiritual journey, spirituality. So I just want to underscore from my perspective too, definitely seeing uh, this, this shift from what you're um, contextualized or how you've contextualized it from homo sapiens to homo spiritus. What I'm curious about is, and, and, and perhaps for many listening, if they're wondering, okay, I, I feel it, I see it, and I want to get more in touch with my own spirituality. How do mm-hmm. I, how do I do that? Like, what are practices that you do to stay, um, to stay in, in tune with mm-hmm. your own spiritual life? Mm-hmm. So you want to know first that the spiritual path is all about giving up, right? It's, it's not about getting somewhere because you are already divine. You just forgot about it. You, you are, there is nothing wrong with you. you. You are perfect. It's just that you have stuff on top. So the spiritual path is about giving up, right? Giving up opinion, judgment, uh, anxiety, um, uh, blame. I mean, anything that is not love, really. Mm-hmm. So you talk about mindfulness, I call it awareness, but I think we're talking about mostly the same thing, right? So awareness for me is the ultimate power. So, you know, when you teach your child to cross the street, you say, stop, look right, look left, and then make a choice. Okay, you're teaching them awareness. Mm -hmm. This is what needs to be practiced a few times a day and then more and more for me, it becomes second nature. You bring awareness to your speaking, to your action, to what is happening around you. And when you bring awareness to it, it's got, you have to slow down. You have to slow down the busyness and the noise of your life. You need to get as still as possible so that you can bring awareness and then you see the consequences of what you're doing thinking saying of what is happening around you and you make a choice this is our greatest gift is the power of choice right you said something really important uh there and i just want to pause to to really dive into that point because you talked about slowing down in the culture, in American culture, we are not a culture of slowing down, though we have been forced to within the past year of the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? Like many people have talked about, 
you know, the, the blessing of this very hard thing that we've gone through that, wow, I've really had to slow down. And, and I often talk about slowing down in terms of mindful reflection. So just hearing you mm-hmm. say what you're saying about bringing awareness is asking those questions, you know, what, mm-hmm. you know, what did I feel like when I was around this person? What did I notice? What can I do with that information? What choice am I going to make versus mm-hmm why is this happening to me? That doomed Mm -hmm. mentality, that victim mentality Mm -hmm. that you were talking about earlier, when your husband died five days after your wedding, after you got married that, okay, what can I do with this information now? So that's what it sounds like. You're saying like, you know what, each day get into the practice of doing some kind of mindful reflection or bringing awareness to what's going on Mm -hmm. to you internally in the Mm -hmm. situations that you find yourself in. Mm -hmm. You know, a a very good example happened to me this morning, right? So the advantage of having been practicing that for 30 years is that it's fast for me. But I woke up and I was not free. And it's very noticeable for me. If I'm not in joy and in really mostly bliss, I, I can't tolerate it anymore, right? So that's a very good sign for your listener and everybody. If you experience anything else other than being well, just look there is something that is happening, right? So I looked straight away, how come I wake up not fully soul-expressed and well? And I'm going to my cousin tomorrow and they're coming to pick me up at the airport and I was concerned that I I was disturbing them, having them drive to come and pick me up at the airport because I could take a taxi to their home. Mm-hmm. That that concern cost me my um, lightness of being. Mm. So the awareness that I had a concern that I was disturbing them, I got that thought that I was believing. I got on the on on uh, the the WhatsApp. I just sent them a note saying, "Listen, I'm concerned that I'm disturbing you. I can absolutely take a taxi." They answered me. Don't be an idiot. We love to come and get you. And there it is. It's gone. Mm. But without the awareness of that thought I woke up with, I could have spent the whole day feeling uncomfortable and not knowing when, why. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're, you have that really great connection between your mind, body. Many people don't have that or they're listening here because they're curious about being on a mindful journey or this journey to awareness. I'm curious, do you have any other practices besides reflecting? Do you meditate? Do you, um, you know, there are lots of like contemplative practices, um, you know, spending time in nature. Is there anything that you do to, to keep uh, that, that channel open? I guess I, I typically, when I'm working with kids, I definitely call it like you know, I refer to it as your inner spark. I talk about tuning into your awesome sauce, that place where we feel most alive and most vibrant. Um, so that's what I call it, but I don't know if you have a phrase or if there's practices that you do to tune into that. So you can let go of, you know, you mentioned before giving up, you can give up or let go of whatever it is that, that is holding you down or covering, you know, your lens in which you see the world? I don't need uh, practices anymore because I've practiced um, over the years. So I can just do it like I just described to do it, right? But 
so I don't need a practice to give it up. I know what it means to give it up. You know, you take a pen, you just let it fall. That's called giving up. So I'm not, I have developed this, uh, these strengths and everybody, anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. Um, for the people that are starting, I would go to nature, I would speak to friends, I would listen to a spiritual teacher, I would meditate, you know, it depends. Uh, some people like different things. It's yeah. all, um, it's all depends on what speaks for you. I, I have developed the, the ability to just let go, mm. you know, yeah. Easy. So many years of practicing and you are able to Me, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. build that habit of letting yeah. go. Yeah, and when you hold on to something, um, it's um, it's so painful. I don't like suffering. I, I do not suffer. I refuse to suffer. I have just I'm, I'm done with suffering. I know it's optional. So letting go disappears the suffering. You've got to get yourself interested in it. If you don't want to suffer, let go. I mean, it, I know people say to me, you are so simple. It's too simple. As you know, it might be, you know, too simple. But if it's complicated, there is a story behind it. There is a lie somewhere. So look for the simplicity of things. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of answers the question. I was just going to ask about suffering, you know, about, you know, can we transform, transform suffering? Or is it more that we have to have a new relationship to it, to you know, to navigate our painful experiences. But I think what I, what I'm hearing you say is, yes, we can transform that, you know, we let go. So we transform and we no longer have to have that. You disappear it. People have no notion that you can disappear things. You know, you can actually disappear them. That's the power we have. The suffering will disappear when you let go of believing your stories and you let go. Mm. If someone wanted to do like a personal review of their life right now, and they're, they're really intrigued by all the ideas that we've been talking about, they've, you know, this conversation has piqued their curiosity to dive deeper mm-hmm. into their spiritual journey or just to even start, what would you suggest they do? Well, I have a free course that can take the free course. Uh, it's, uh, I've made it available exactly for that reason, for people to start their journey mm-hmm. and so that they can start to experience a whole life, you know, like a play and the choices they have. So that's the free course. Um, I have written a book. I mean, um, you know, I lead courses, uh, they, and there is many spiritual teachers, uh, we have so much available to us now. You need to find the one that resonates with you, the one that you can hear, right? The one that speaks a language that operates a transmission with you. I've had many, many teachers, many, many masters, and there is some that I, you know, got more from than others and it was not because of their lack of quality or higher quality it was because at the time where I w- where I was I could listen to what they were saying mm-hmm. so l- look there is an enormous amount of choice out there mm. thank you and I know just in just a bit I'm would love for you to share where people can find your course and book etc but before we get there 
I'm, I just want to know, how do you, how do you keep your spirit vibrant each and every day? Uh, by giving up anything that is not vibrant. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, my work is speaking to people like you that are interested in, in my mission, in, in connecting to the spiritual, in inquiring into what is possible, in creating a new culture for humankind. It's difficult not to be vibrant when you have that kind of work, you understand? I mean, I'm so blessed. I, I don't even have an experience of working. This is my entire day having those kind of conversations. I love that. Just, just giving up, just letting go. Is, is that what you, you just state to yourself when you become aware, like you were talking about in the example with having a family member pick you up from the airport and you mm-hmm. felt like you weren't spiritually uh, free or being fully mm-hmm. soul expressed that day that you mm-hmm. just said, you know what, give this up. And what do I need to do to do that? I need to engage in mm-hmm. this conversation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly, because for me, it is not, uh, uh, I have a full choice to disappear suffering at any moment, and I really am not committed to suffer. And you know, it sounds a bit strange what I'm saying, but most people want the suffering, because that's what is familiar, that's what they know, Mm. and that... uh, um, allow them not to be the source of their life, responsible for their life, the originator of their life. I know that if I am not fully in joy, I am the source of it. Nothing else. Nothing else. That's so powerful, you know, what you were saying. I think, are you familiar with um, Carolyn Mace's work? Uh I think there's a word she uses, woundology, I think it is. Uh, So what you were saying is that there, there are those, and, and maybe many of us, you know, many of you listening, you've had experiences where you've had tragedy and it's hard for you to let go. Like you allow it to define who you are in your life, just as we can rewind in our conversation when you were talking about your husband, you know, you know, him dying five days after you got married, you could have said, wow, I'm doomed and held on to this, this wound, held on to that suffering, but you let the suffering go. And then you navigated through the pain, felt the grief and healed. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just curious, what do you, what is it about holding on to that wound that? Yeah. Well, you know, there is um, uh, conversations that we have with ourselves that we believe right so for example if i don't suffer maybe that will mean that i didn't love him enough mm. how can i be well while i just lost my father right how can i be laughing and happy that must mean i didn't love him that's one of the favorite conversation with grief right so it's the refusal to to be the, the first to accept life. We are all going to die, right? And if you're not educated in being your soul, then I suppose you, you will be scared never to 
be in connection with that person that is dead anymore. But if you are connected to your soul, you know that you now need to create a spiritual relationship with them, not a material relationship with them. Yeah. Um, so there are those kind of conversations that are not examined, that we don't bring awareness to. And we don't question, you know, Plato said a life not examined is not a life worth living. Mm, powerful quote. So you need to examine all of your belief, all your thoughts, your inherited uh, uh, cultural um, ideas. Mm, so powerful. Sophie, it's been awesome. I want to do, I want to transition to rapid fire and then I want you to share where people can connect with your free course mm-hmm. and your book and social media. So mm-hmm. rapid fire, just some big life questions. I mean, we've been talking about big life questions anyway, but I have four that I like to ask and whatever word or phrase comes up, that's what you say. And if there's no word or phrase, that's fine too. That's an answer sometimes. Okay, great. No pressure, just fun. All right. Rapid fire question. Number one, what do you believe? I don't believe in anything. What are you grateful for? Oh, everything. I am connected to the miracle of the universe. Mm. I live in gratefulness. What sustains you? Love. And you are on Mindful Living with Athea Davis, so I love to ask all my guests on the show, what does mindful living mean to you? Another access to elevation. Mm. All right, Sophie, where can people connect with you online, social media, connect to your free course and buy your book? The best, best place to go is to my website uh, because everything is there, all the links, everything. So it's sophiemclanmyname.com. So it's very easy to find and you will find all the courses, books, the free courses, explanation, the whole thing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sophie. It's been such a great conversation to dive into things, all spirituality with you today. And uh, just thank you for all the work that you're doing. Oh, and thank you for your podcast. You know, we, I'm clear that uh, nobody can do it by themselves. And it's so great to uh, meet somebody like you that makes such a difference. Sophie. I thank you very, very much for having me. Hmm. Hey there, and welcome back to the flip side of my conversation with Sophie McLean. You've been listening to episode 120 here on Mindful Living with Athea Davis, connecting to our inner wisdom. I do hope you gained a lot of value. You were inspired and empowered by the information that Sophie and I were talking about. What a perfect way to close out the end of 2021 and to go into 2022 with some of your inner power, inner wisdom sparked, reignited, and ready to have a new outlook on how to navigate life in a more empowering way. All right, if you enjoy this episode, do me a favor and screenshot it, share it on your favorite social media platform, tag me, tag Sophie. I will include uh, the links that Sophie mentioned in the show notes, so you can click on those links there. And I would so appreciate you taking a few moments and Give Mindful Living with Athea Davis a quick rate and review. Your feedback matters and helps me grow and glow in all the ways. So I would super appreciate that. 
and uh, and it also helps me understand what you like, what you don't, what uh, what to bring uh, to you uh, that would be valuable for your own inner growth and development in 2022. And are we connected on social media? If not, I would love to connect with you. I'm always sharing. Uh, many different things under that big umbrella, mindful living, whether it's parenting, teaching, uh, spirituality, health, wellness, relationships, all the things out there on social media. You can find me at Athea Davis, A-T-H-E-A-D-A-V-I-S, at Athea Davis on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, all the places and spaces. So I would love to connect with you. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're out there tuning into and spreading the awesome sauce here, there, and everywhere. And I will see you in the next episode. Have an amazing start to your new year. Thank you for listening to the Mindful Living Podcast with me, your host, Athea Davis. Think of me as your extra sparkly, good vibes, and no-nonsense guide reminding you to take intentional action and choose to be the person today you want to become tomorrow. The world needs your sparkle, your joy, your gifts in action. Speaking of, I have a free gift for all my podcast listeners. Go now and subscribe to my email list and get your free health and wellness guide, awesome sauce insights at soulsynthyoga.com. And take a moment to rate and review my podcast on iTunes or wherever you may find yourself listening to Mindful Living with Athea Davis. I truly appreciate your time and feedback so I can continue to deliver valuable content to each of you. Until next time, have an awesome sauce day, friends.